Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to Romans chapter 15. Paul is going to explain his calling from God. Now, this is something that Peter, Peter knew when he wrote 2 Peter, he actually knew. The Lord had made it clear to him that his departure from this earth was imminent. And so he said, I want to make sure that since I'm going to be with the Lord, that even after I'm gone, you're going to be able to recall what I said to you. And so he gave pointers to the early church. He wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1. Now I'm going to take you here so I can bridge this into Romans 15 to show you what Paul's going to talk about here in this mid of chapter 15. In verse 10, 2 Peter 1.10, he says, Therefore, my brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about your calling and choosing, God's calling, his calling, and his choosing for you. You need to know what is God's calling, his choice. The King James says God's election. What did you get elected by God to do? It's a good word, election, because I think of elections like if you're going to elect someone for a government, you want to know what position are they elected to. If the guy is like a whiz with math and everything, let's get him elected to the part that takes care of the treasury. Put the right guy in the right place is what I'm saying. And in the Bible, we get this wisdom passed on to us from Peter the Apostle. Before he dies, he says, I want to make sure you can hear this even after I'm gone. You need to make sure, brethren, that's us, the brethren, all of us that believe. You need to make sure of God's calling and God's choosing, his election. What did he elect you to do? And why do I need to know what he wants me to do? What did he call me to do? Well, look what it says. There's a safeguard built in. For as long as you practice these things, you practice whatever God called you to do. It says you will never stumble for in this way. The entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Whenever you practice what God called you to do, and by the way, does he know what to call me to do? Does he know what I'm wired for? Who wired him? I mean, think about this. Does the Lord know what to put us busy doing? I mean, he knows our frame. He knows what we can handle. He prepared each of us for different callings, different elections, different choosings, his choice. Now, we might even not think we could do that, but if he calls you to do it, let me tell you, whatever he calls you to do, he will equip you to do. And he has been at work in your life when you didn't even recognize or realize that he was getting you ready. Bible tells us we are all part of one body, the body of Christ. And there's only one head, that's Jesus. And when the head is connected to each part, the head gives the instructions for the parts to work. And when we're all just listening to the head, that's when stuff just happens because the whole body begins to work in orchestrated fashion by his orchestration. He does cool things. But if we don't do the part we were called to do, we don't do our calling, our choosing. We can actually become damaged to the body. I find it so interesting. God made this body with all these little subtle details. 
he put these little fine things above my eye right here. They're really little tiny pieces of hair. Called eyelashes. And these babies are great. They have a function. Do you know that? They're there to keep the perspiration from coming down into my eye. And they, they block out little particles from getting in the eye. And they are great when they stay where they're meant to be. But if one of them should jump ship, just one, and decide, I don't want to hang out on the top of the eyelid. I'm going into the eye today. Just one eyelash. And you know, sometimes in the body of Christ, there are parts of the body of Christ meant to guard and protect other delicate parts of the body. But instead of doing their job of protecting, they're bringing pain to the part they were designed to protect. Not that we would ever do that to another member of the body of Christ. Let me submit to you, we are all designed to help the other parts. There's not one part of this body that will not jump in on looking out for the other parts. If one part gets hurt, you know, you just walk along and you stub your toe real hard. Isn't it amazing how the rest of the body gets involved? Oh, 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 poor thing. Oh, sit down here. Get me some ice. And the whole body starts to share the pain of that one part what is hurting. The Bible says that's how we should be. When one part of the body is hurting, all the parts of the body should hurt because we are connected. Now, if you know what your calling is, your choosing, your election from God, if you're the eyelash, then stay put on the eyelid. It's so weird to me that the devil uses this weird criticism. He goes to churches and he whispers, yeah, I went to this church and there was these five people. They were like a clique. Those people were tight, man. They were always together. Like inseparable. Isn't that terrible? I mean, not really. I always do this when I go. You see these toes? See those five digits right there? They've been together 50 plus years. And I'm really happy about that. In fact, I think they were designed to be together. It'd be really weird if like my big toe jumped off my foot and said, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't get enough exposure. I want to be more seen like up on the face, like right here between the eyebrows. That's what it's like when people go to churches and the members of the church are fighting to be in positions where they're not supposed to be. You look at it, you go, something's not natural about this. Something's wrong. It's because somebody didn't pass on this wisdom that Peter made sure that he would have ring in their ears. Even after he was gone, he says, you'll be able to recall that I told you this. So I hope that you'll recall this even after I'm gone, that Pastor Izzy repeated what Peter said, just to drive home the point that whatever part you're supposed to be, be that part. And if you're put with other parts, there's a reason you're put with them. Don't let the devil lie to the church and say, that's bad that those five people are always together. No, it's not. It might be the healthiest thing that lets that part of the body function. Because those members are giving to the other members what they need. And it lets them do whatever it is God is calling them to do. I do believe that we get more done collectively than we do individually. But I can't do the collective part until I know what part am I called to be. Now why am I going over this? Well, let's go back to Romans 15. Paul writing to the church at Rome. Now, would Rome be a place with a lot of Jews? 
or a lot of non-Jews? A lot of Gentiles, right? Paul was a master of the Old Testament scriptures. We call it Old Testament. It was the Hebrew Jewish scriptures, the only scriptures they had. New Testament hadn't been written yet. This letter Paul's writing right here, he's including verses from the Old Testament. And he just went over this masterful, I call this a masterful way of pointing out from the Jewish writings that the Gentiles are indeed included in the plan of salvation. Paul said that the Gentiles were included in the whole plan of God. They were part of God's plan. He would call the Gentiles to himself and receive praise from the Gentiles. He quoted that from Samuel. And then he went and told how in Deuteronomy, a book of Moses, that Moses even recognized that the Gentiles would rejoice with his people. The Gentiles would be included in this plan. And then he used the psalm, the beautiful poetic psalm, Psalm 117 it was. He said, let all the peoples, all the peoples praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. We were included. And lastly, he said, thus there shall come from the root of Jesse, and he who arises will rule over the Gentiles, and in him shall the Gentiles hope. Verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, with all peace in believing, so that you would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles were included in God's plan from the beginning. Now, verse 14 begins a new paragraph. A paragraph where the tension is going to go from this beautiful truth that God has included us to something about Paul himself personally. He says, Now concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. Admonishment means to really help someone to do good. He says, I know you could do this. He says, and I've written to you, verse 15, but I've written to you very boldly on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given to me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable and it might be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of the signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem roundabout to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus, I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation, but as it is written, they who had no news shall see him, and they who have not heard shall understand. Another quote from Isaiah 52. He says, those that didn't get to have the news, they're going to get it. But we actually see Paul's aspiration. Look at verse 20. He said, I aspire to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, but where he's not named. I'm not trying to be one of the preachers that 
comes in and builds on someone else's work. I'm going to go where no one else has gone. I think he was a pioneer for the guy who wrote Star Trek. Go where no man has gone before. Explore new worlds and visit new civilizations. This is Paul. He's like, I'm going to be the preacher, the minister to the people. What God says was included. Now, is this popular for a Jewish rabbi? A Pharisee of Pharisees, he was in the highest sect of their religion. And he's saying, God called me to be a minister. He called me to be a servant to those Gentiles. He says, as calling me as a minister of the Gentiles, I did what he told me. I'm not going to presume to speak about anything else except what Christ has accomplished through me. Now, what did Christ accomplish through him? It's interesting. He wrote this. He says, Christ accomplished through me, verse 18, he accomplished the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in powers of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit from Jerusalem, today we would say all the way up to where modern-day Germany is, just at the south end all the way over, and it will stretch over toward the sea there, Paul's going to reach all the way over to Italy. At this point, he's only gone up to here. If you follow his journeys, he's writing probably this sometime after the second journey, where he went all the way up into that region. Those of you familiar with the book of Revelation, you remember the seven letters to the seven churches? He's saying, I'm not going to boast about anything except what Christ did. You know what Christ did? Christ let his power of his spirit, his signs, his wonders go with me to preach to the Gentiles. And man, the word spread. You study church history. Boom, when the word got out in that region, it just exploded. And Paul said, um, that's all I can boast about, what Christ had done through him. It basically like the seal, the stamp of approval for his ministry was the fruit. Prove to me you're really called to do this. Well, just look at the fruit. Look at the power of God that has been displayed in these people's lives. You remember there was that one gal following him around? She was bringing profit to her masters by fortune telling. And she started following Paul going, this guy is a bondservant of the Most High God. Listen to him. He's preaching the way of salvation. Now, after a couple of days of this, Paul gets really annoyed. It says that she had an evil spirit. It only says the word she says. It doesn't say the tone or anything. I bet she was probably like, <laughs> he's preaching the way of salvation. Can you believe it? Finally, Paul gets so mad. He's like, be gone, you evil spirit. Cast the demon out. And the woman gets saved. And the word spreads and the church is planted. And Paul's just like, all I can do to show that I'm really called to do what i called to do is say, look at the fruit. Look what God did by his power. Because Paul knew it wasn't him that made the demon leave. It was God. His power that made that demon go away and his word that began to spread. And so Paul is saying, listen, as a result of me just doing what God called me to do, here's the fruit. It's a blessed thing when you get to do something what God's called you to do. Because I know in our culture we have such an instant gratification button. I mean, we want everything right away. 
We want a diet pill that drops 40 pounds by tomorrow. Only fat, no muscle. Got to be targeted too. We only want this area and this area. Our society has everything we want so quick. And the problem is, is that we don't really have any patience developed. I saw on Facebook last night a little post saying, do you think we should teach children how to grow their own food? It was a question. They had kids around a little planter box showing them how to do the lettuce and the vegetables and stuff. Do you think we should teach them how to grow food in the school curriculum? I think everybody should learn how to grow food. But I just think it's something that you should know where it comes from. Besides that, I think that it helps develop something in you that for some reason our society really lacks because the kids think a whole head of lettuce just popped up in the grocery store overnight. And they don't know how long it takes to grow in the garden and how you have to keep the slugs away and how you got to keep it clean, how you got to keep any other critters from coming in. and just, They don't know the effort that goes into making that grocery just appear. I've grown a few trees from seeds and I know something that sometimes the kids of this generation don't know. How long is it going to take till I actually see some of those little fruits? I understand I might be a decade away the mango tree that is producing now is in its eighth year, going into ninth. Last year, just a couple. Year before, one. Year seven, one mango. Year eight, chelate the bark at the bottom a little. Put a few little cuts in it so the tree thinks it's dying. Then all of a sudden it tries to fruit. Got a lot more fruit last year. This year, but this is like eight years of waiting. Now, to me, I just look at it like, Eight years are going to pass anyway. I know that this might sound odd to some of your thinking, but in reality, time's still going to march on. So my attitude, time's going to march on. So what am I going to do that I can improve it? Because I know that given 10 years, I could have all mature trees from seeds. I was talking to a younger generation. They're like, forget that, man. I'm going to go buy the trees with fruit on them to start, stick them in the ground said, you can do that too. Save some time. But it's because we want instant gratification. We don't want to wait for fruit. But let me assure you, if you do the right thing, you do what your calling is, you do what God chose you to do, and you just give it time, you might not know the fruit that comes because you're still watching the tree grow, and it hasn't put out the buds yet. It hasn't put out the fruit. And so you might think nothing's really happening, but behind the scenes, God is at work causing growth and a growth that will be healthy, just given the right amount of time until that thing becomes fruitful. Some of the most precious things that we're ever going to get to enjoy in this life require a bit of time for all the pieces to come together and all the things to mature, all of it so that we're going to come to that day when we pick that mango and go, Oh, that's a good mango. But it can take time. What about the fruit God wants to bring in your life? See, this is what I want to assure you. God is at work in all of us. He is. We are all works in progress. Anyone can give an amen to that? Amen? We're all works in progress. None of us are finished. But what we have to really do is be reassured. The Lord is doing His work. And what we studied, we're doing this on the midweek service, in Philippians, he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. 
don't worry. God is faithful to complete what he is doing in you. You're his masterpiece. Just go with it. Just know God is at work. And it's a lifetime journey. Don't be getting this cultural influence over your Christianity where I need it now, immediate. We have a God that's talking our eternity, our eternal salvation. He looks for our whole life. And he goes, I can work with that. And he's at work in you. If we would just like kind of expand our timeline, our horizon a little bit, I think we would appreciate this life, the moment we're in right now, a little better. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, celebratethelord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Thank you.